0: Is it June yet? A storied CFL franchise. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal
1: and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. Six thirty, This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott, on Eskimos Radio. Six thirty, channel
0: It is so good to be back. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a beautiful weekend. The weather's changing, and that must mean one thing: football season is on the way. We're back for another edition, another year on the Eskimo Show. Uh, every Sunday afternoon, here at four o'clock, and of course, when we move into the Uh, Training camp and into the regular season, we'll switch to Monday nights as usual for the Eskimo show during the season. Wow, it's been a busy few months, hasn't it? November 29th in Winnipeg, the Eskimos won the Grey Cup, defeating uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks in Winnipeg. Since then... A lot of celebrations and a lot of changes, especially, of course, to the coaching staff. It didn't take long for the changes to begin. A week after they won the Grey Cup, Chris Jones was on his way with his entire coaching staff, pretty much, to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. A week after that, Jason Moss was named the new head coach of the Eskimos. Through the free agency uh, month of February lost a few players, signed a few players. In the next couple of weeks, we'll get you up to date on all the changes and talk about what they mean to the Eskimos for the 2016 season. Uh, the biggest piece of news for the Eskimos most recently came out on Friday afternoon when the Canadian Football League finally made their ruling on the Jason Moss case. If you go back to that uh, week, couple of weeks after the Grey Cup in December, uh, the Eskimos uh, asked for and received permission from the Ottawa Red Blacks to talk to Moss and offer him the job as uh, their new head coach. If they choose to they did choose to. They offered it to him. He accepted. They signed him. And then the Red Blacks came back and said, we want uh, some compensation for this signing. Uh, The Eskimos said that wasn't our agreement. They took it uh, to some uh, discussion groups. Couldn't get anything solved. The league sent them to mediation. They couldn't get anything solved. So it was put back into the lap of the Canadian Football League and Commissioner Jeffrey Orridge. And on Friday afternoon, late on Friday afternoon, it was announced that the Eskimos owed nothing to the Ottawa Red Blacks in compensation for the signing of Jason Moss. So that's the latest from the Eskimos, and again, all the changes that have happened over the last few months since the season ended. We'll talk about that in detail a little bit today and over the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, Back to the compensation issue. Uh, Earlier this week on 630 Ched, uh, Eskimos President Len Rhodes talked about what he was expecting, and what he was expecting was the Eskimos not to have to pay compensation, and that came to fruition when it was announced on Friday. But the best part about the whole thing is that the CFL took a look at the big picture and Rhodes talked about the fact that uh, it's happened now twice this off season with coaches leaving their contracts with one team to go to another team and he said the league is
2: addressing that. It's not about the Eskimos or Ottawa it's about just doing the right thing there's a new policy in place that deals with these things in the future there was no such policy at the league level if anyone knows the implications we certainly do we lost a head coach to Saskatchewan but again for the opportunity to move up we're just asking ottawa to treat us with respect the same respect that we granted chris jones and we move on and it's about moving on
0: so indeed we do move on from uh, that issue and we can now start looking ahead to this season and stop talking so much about last season as great as it was with a Grey cup championship a guy who's real excited for the start of the new season is the new head coach of the edmonton eskimos jason moss uh
3: just the same as i was when i got hired i'm just as excited and uh Kind of chomping at the bit. You know, two months to go uh, feels like it can't get here soon enough.
0: <laughs> uh, you've been in the position now for about three months. What has that three month stretch been like in preparing for your first season as a head coach?
3: Uh, I, I mean, everything's been through organizing off field activities for mini camp, organizing coaches getting hired, uh, going through free agency, going through the, the draft stuff. Um, it's it's a lot to shoulder for the first time going through it all but at the same time it, it's what I love and it's football and um, you know you take all the stuff that you're you know you've never done before that's what kind of gets me excited to wake up every every day but I am very much looking forward to the on-field activities.
0: I, I guess that's the major difference from going from coordinator to head coach. You work a lot in the offseason as a coordinator, but as a head coach and, and in the general manager's position as well especially, but as a head coach, you're immersed in it like 24 hours a day, it seems, during the off season, still.
3: Yeah, no question. I mean, you're always up to date with the GM of how your roster is moving, what guys are coming in, what guys are going out. Uh, what guys you have coming into camp that you've never heard of. Uh, also trying to organize your coaching staff, trying to get your playbooks done, Trying, especially as a head coach coordinator. You're trying to still do all the offensive responsibilities you have to get your offense prepared, but at the same time, you have to make sure your defense is, is, is functional and ready to roll with the, the coaching staff on that side and then our special teams as well. So it's kind of coordinating all of that. You know, then looking after, like I said, mini camps, training camps, scheduling, food, <laughs> uh, all the things that you don't think about as a, as a coordinator you're kind of still having to do.
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff that everybody takes for granted but has to get looked after somehow by someone, right? And all of it falls to the head coach a lot of times. No question. Uh, your, uh, your staff, I understand uh, they've been in town now for the last month or so or throughout the month of March a little bit for meetings. How has that process gone with you guys getting to know each other and starting to work together?
3: Well, the staff came in for 10 days in March, and they left towards the end of March uh, as uh, we went to go see the combine. Um, I went well. I mean, all of us are new, new staff completely. Uh, only a couple of us have worked together. Um, so... You know, it's, it's all about getting to know people personally. I mean, I'm a big believer in, you know, making the sport fun. And, you know, we're, we're together more than we're with our families during the season. So you want to be able to get along and have that camaraderie and have each other's back. And that's what this time's about. On top of that, you've got to be able to prepare your players to play. So you got to have good schemes. So you're constantly talking football. But you don't lose sight of the fact that it's a relationship-based business. And you better have a good relationship with the people you work with, particularly when when things go bad, you want to have each other's back.
0: How important is that camaraderie among coaches to to create that now going forward into the into the regular season, so that you guys know each other so well when you start to play games?
3: Uh, it's huge. I mean, trust, trust, honesty, um, you know, compatibility, being able to communicate with each other. All that is super important. We're not always going to going to agree on everything we do, but as a staff, we've got to be able to overcome that and look at what's best for the Eskimo organization. So the better you are as friends, the better you are as people and, and understand what makes each other tick, the easier it is to communicate all those things. And uh, I never lose sight of that. I think it's one of the most important things in the business. As you're laying the foundation for your team, it kind of starts with your coaching staff. They give out a little bit of the vibe to the players, the energy, and how you want things to be. You know, And, and it all starts with respect and communication, and trust
0: i guess if your coaching staff can't work together it's not too long before your football team can't work together right
3: that's the way i believe i mean i think uh, you know you're always going to have your core players around but your coaching staff has to be able to lead it and you'll be in that room every day and coming up with the the best schemes for your players and like i said you're not always going to agree with the players or the other coaches but you have to be able to communicate and have you know respect for one another and be able to do that in a Uh, in the right way
0: those coaches will be on the field together for the first time later this month in florida when the eskimos hold their mini camp now that was part one of our conversation with jason moss had a chance to have a a long conversation with him this past week and we'll hear part two of that conversation next week on the eskimo show same time four o'clock on sunday afternoon when we come back this week we'll hear from the president len rhodes joins us next on the eskimo show
1: You're listening to the Eskimos Show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad.
0: Training camp for the Eskimos, less than two months away. They will play their first preseason game on the road this year. That'll be uh, June the 11th in Calgary against the Stampeders. And then Saturday, June 18th, the Eskimos will play their home preseason game against... Chris Jones and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That goes 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, and it'll all be around the uh, Palooza uh, Festival that's going on uh, in that area around Commonwealth Stadium and Clark Park as well. So, uh, of course, get tickets for that. Look at uh, the Eskimos website at esks.com for all your ticket information and your season ticket information as well. All right, uh, 2016 looks to be an exciting year in the Canadian Football League. Before we look ahead to 2016, let's bring in Eskimos uh, President and CEO Len Rhodes to look back a little bit more at a championship year last year.
2: What a year when you look back at 2015, coming off uh, some seasons where we were rebuilding to one that we said now we have a contender. Uh, give full credit to uh, Ed hervey and his uh, full football operations staff in terms of making sure that we had some a team out there and a product that fans could be proud of when you win the great Cup first when you go to the West Final and you host it and it 's against uh, your main rivalry down the road that is just uh, outstanding uh, stuff and uh, to win the West Final and then to have the right to go to Winnipeg to represent Edmonton. The whole Edmonton community at the Great Cup, uh, nothing matches that. Winning, well, you know, we started off uh, down, and you say, okay, here we go, it's time to roll up the sleeves. And at the end of it, we won, but there was never a dull moment. And the celebration after winning the Great Cup downtown at Churchill Square, when the fans showed up, the emotions that came, and u m c emceed it, Morley, I could hardly speak because there was a lack of sleep. A lot of jubilation and a few drinks um, of celebration, and it was all good, but what got the heart going and the emotions going were the fact that the fans showed up in those great numbers then obviously, uh, after the celebration, we had basically a day to celebrate and then we had to deal obviously with the coaching staff being approached by the other team and uh, when Saskatchewan uh, talked to our coaches and and then uh, we realized that there was a potential that we'd uh, be facing some changes. The celebration dies down somewhat but it doesn't go away. It's just it's business as usual and it reminds you that anything you did last year is last year and now we got to go into this season starting from scratch because no one owes us anything and we got to earn it ourselves. All right, more on all that coming up but first I want to ask you about The Grey Cup celebration.
0: Uh, I thought it was so fantastic of the franchise. Uh, If you're an Eskimo fan, you probably got to see the Grey Cup and get your picture taken with it. You couldn't go on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or anywhere and not see pictures of the Grey Cup at a party, at a school, at a charity event, whatever the case may be. I, you don't need to, you don't need to hear it from me, but you know it's worth being congratulated for the fact that you got the cup out in the community. And, and a couple of players have told me
2: it's the people's cup too. They deserve it, and they, they they earned a chance to to have a party with it too. You know, you're being totally consistent in terms of it's the people's cup. That's exactly the expression we used within these walls here at the stadium. It's the people's cup. You know, I I add that it's the players that won it on the field, so they deserve to have it 90 percent of the time. But we want to make sure that they took it everywhere that they went. And I believe it's approximately 100 public appearances that were made with the Cup and the players and some of the staff. I only had it twice myself because I want to make sure that the players had it. And one of the two times I had it, I was with Calvin McCarty uh, up in St. Albert, and we were uh, spending two hours with fans and the photos with Calvin, getting his autographs. And you, you talk about our players. Calvin McCarty looks at people in the eye, he's sincere, he takes the time to talk to the kids but it is the people's cup and it's remarkable that there's a, a lot of history in the cup itself but when it comes down to it it really reflects the fact that as a league and obviously as a community-owned team we really believe that the fans are everything and they deserve the cup so some people say well that's that's impressive it's spectacular but for us it's a, it's really the way we should be doing business and we're so proud of it because uh, when fans can touch the cup see it have their photos taken there's nothing that matches that. We're talking
0: with Eskimos president and CEO, Len Rhodes. Len, how good is the Grey Cup for business on on that side of things for the Eskimos?
2: You know, Marley, that's a great question. And uh, so there's two things going on right now. We have the fabulous momentum with winning the Grey Cup. We uh, will be sharing some of the details at our annual general meeting, which is gonna take place May 3rd, coming up. And it's gonna be a nice news story. Uh, Record merchandise sales in the history of the franchise. We've never sold more uh, apparel, jerseys, championship caps than we have in 2015. Uh, our sponsorship uh, numbers with our corporate community stepping up, another record on that front so we're very proud about that. Uh, now where we are though, we're in an economic situation where a lot of our fans and listeners are uh, facing some challenges if not themselves with their jobs. And some, you, We all know someone who's been impacted in a negative way. But the Eskimos offer great value, you know, for $300 to $600, you can get a season seat, try to find that in any other pro sport, and uh, we want to continue to do that. So it's a very good news story, great momentum on the business side, but we are in a recession, in the local recession anyway, driven by the energy situation. We will come out of it, but until then, there's some hardships uh, being faced by our fans. But uh, one great thing for, again, a few hundred dollars, you come to a game and you can escape from your problems knowing that 10 times and hopefully 11 times if we have a home playoff game, fans can come and have a great time at a great value point as well. Uh, from a business
0: side of things, and I've asked this to a couple of players too, I, 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 when do you turn the page? And the guy said, for the most part, the parties stop at the end of December, maybe mid-January, then the training begins. Uh, Business-wise, when does this year become last year and next year become this year?
2: (laughs) You know, the common question I get when I'm out is uh, what do you do in the off-season? And you know in the off-season on the business side and as the leader of the organization we do more than people can imagine because again when we say we're a gate-driven league it means that our number one source of revenue, unlike any other pro sport is that we got to sell tickets. So you just don't get 20,000 season seats uh, sold automatically. People don't come knocking your doors and say, hey, I want to drop off a bucket of money for tickets. We have to be aggressive in that. We have to get our sponsors in renewal situations. We've got to seek new sponsors. There's a lot that goes on there. One constant as well is the 855 community visits that we make, our players, our cheer team. Our uh, coaching staff, again, the new coaching staff will be doing that because Jason Moss just embraces everything about community. And personally, I make about 100 appearances a year. So there's a lot of that that goes on in the off season. It's preparing the field really for when the guys come on the field, that there are people in the stands, that we have a healthy business model so that we can give a lot back to the fans to make them proud proud about the product they see, not only on the field, but the environment in which they're in during game days. Your goal, obviously,
0: is to win football games on the field, off the field. It's to make the community a better place, which you've done in in, in many different ways and many different facets. Uh, One way you did it this offseason, you had a news conference this year uh, to talk about your 50-50 revenue and and where that money goes. Uh, How proud are you of the fact that you've been able as an organization to raise so much money and be able to put it back into football, back into making that long-term commitment to Commonwealth Stadium
2: you know, through minor football, through
0: junior football, through the U of A Golden Bears?
2: Morley, uh, when I'm wearing my CFL governor's hat, and I'm amongst the other teams, we have become the envy of the entire league in terms of what we're doing at amateur football levels. Um, this past year, you allude to the fact that we gave some more money, it was $610,000, and we don't keep any of that. That goes directly to the amateur uh, entities, the Huskies, the Wildcats, Football Alberta. Yeah. Uh, the U of A Golden Bears team for scholarships, and then even our own uh, Eskimos alumni for grassroots initiatives. Makes me extremely proud because you've got to get kids playing the game. And when I arrived in Edmonton in 2011, I said, Wow, there's some great things going on, but we're not working together. So a lot of credit goes to all the leaders and the respective entities at the amateur level who were prepared to work with the Eskimos. First thing we did in 2012 is we automated 50 50, we got more funds. And we said we're giving it right back, continued right back to amateur football, but on the condition that we do work together. Ed Hervey has stepped up and he's uh, chaired the Northern Alberta Amateur Football Summit, and he's shown leadership there, and that's bringing all the stakeholders together. On another front, something we've just recently done is we've launched flag football at the public junior high level. Twenty some schools have signed up, 400 and some kids are playing flag football. We launched it a few months ago. It is incredible. We have uh, the, we, I want to thank the junior high system for making that possible, but they were impressed with how we got the stakeholders. I called Football Alberta. Um, I called other uh, people around the table so that we can work together and made it happen. So you add those 400 and some at junior high to the 450 that we have at the novice flag football level, there are now 800 kids at any given year that are playing the game. Most of those kids were going, weren't going to play football. Uh, maybe they were going to play soccer. And it used to be the easy excuse oh, kids aren't playing football because uh, they're playing soccer. They're not mutually exclusive. You can do one, you can do two, you should be playing four sports. Anytime we can get our kids active again and participating and getting away from those video games, we're doing ourselves a favor long term. And for the sport of football, if you're a fan today, when you're five years old and you're living a dream, odds are you're either going to be playing the game. Or be a fan for life. Eskimos
0: President Len Rhodes joining us on The Eskimo Show. First edition of the year uh, this week. Uh, we will uh, take a break, be back with more, and we'll talk about that week after the Grey Cup championship and what was going on behind the scenes. That and more, and we continue. You're listening to The Eskimo Show on 630 Chet.
1: This is The Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched.
0: It's not June yet, but we're into April. Uh, We're less than two months away from training camp. This is the Eskimo Show. Len Rhodes, our guest uh, this week on the first edition of the Eskimo Show. And uh, Len, Eskimos won the Grey Cup on November 29th. Uh, You flew home on the Monday. On the Tuesday, you had that great celebration we talked about at Churchill Square. On the Wednesday, Chris Jones got on a plane for Regina, I believe. Um, You knew what was going on, and you knew it was probably inevitable what was going to happen. Did... What was going on behind the scenes taint the victory a little bit knowing that you worked so hard to get to where you were and now one of the key components of helping you get there is leaving?
2: I think uh, Morley actually gave us more conviction. More conviction that the Edmonton Eskimos are stronger than any individual and leading into Grey Cup there were uh, rumours, some speculation that uh, we would be at potential risk of losing Chris Jones. We always encourage people who have opportunities to move up uh, to have that ability, but we didn't want that to be a distraction during great Cup. So we tried to clean the slate at great Cup, and we said, "Let's focus on what we're here for, and we'll deal with the other stuff once great Cup is over." But you're 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 right. Literally after the uh, fan uh, fest, uh, we got right back into business, and then we faced the reality that Saskatchewan formally did want to speak to uh, Chris Jones and uh, we allowed that to happen, he went and he obviously got the job and a lot of the other assistant coaches followed him but that gives us total conviction. I am forever grateful for what Chris Jones did for this organization in the two years I was here. He did what we asked him to do, he ultimately won the great cup with us, for us, the players got it done on the field but now he's uh, chosen to leave us and um, we have a great successor Jason Moss, uh, (laughs) people know what he did when he was on the field. People obviously know what he does in the community. His family, when he was in Ottawa, chose to stay in the USA. But when he's come back here to Edmonton, taking on the head coach responsibility, he told us that his family decided that they're moving here with him. They've already moved back to Sherwood Park, that's a statement. We won't be twisting his arm to go out in the community and do things because that's what he wants to do, and uh, we're going to have a man who's dedicated to making sure we have a great product on the field, but he's going to make sure that we're engaged off the field and he's going to participate directly in that, and that's really exciting. And when Ed Hervey and I talk about it, we said that's the reality, let's uh, move on and do what we need to do. We're really optimistic with where we're headed, and this club is a lot more than any one individual.
0: One week after you win the Grey Cup, Chris Jones goes. One week after that, you hire Jason Moss as a head coach. That two-week stretch must be just mind-blowing to think about all the meetings and conversations you must have had Well, celebrating that Grey Cup win.
2: Yeah, uh, and you have to divide the two things, uh, but that's uh, real life. And, uh, you know, it's not like we said, well, we've gonna, we're going to take two or three months off and relax because we won a, won a Grey Cup. In a way... It makes us more focused than ever, making sure that we've got our eye on 2016 and beyond. It's my responsibility to make sure that this club is sustainable overall for not only this year, but for five years, ten years, and thirty years down the road. Uh, Ed Hervey's focused on getting the right talent, uh, and then we're going to have the coaches, once they're back in here full-time, making sure that we get the best out of each of the players, so everyone has a role to play. Uh, We're going to be singing from the same uh, song sheet, and uh, we all buy into the philosophy that... uh, On-field performance is the most important thing that we do. Community aspect is uh, the second most important. And the third uh, part of our strategy is making sure that when people come to watch games live at at the stadium, we give them the best value that we can. Obviously, Ed Hervey is the guy
0: in charge of on-field and hiring the new coach. What's your role? Did you take much of a role in the hiring of the new head
2: coach? uh, You know, when I hired Ed Hervey, uh, which was my hire, I buy into a philosophy and I give a trust and I've gotta let Ed pick the people that he wants under him. When it gets down to the final straws Ed and I are obviously in the deep discussion and gives me his rationale and in this case he had full the full green light to choose the man that he wanted. He knew uh, where we were aligned in terms of the type and the profile of the person that we wanted. Uh, obviously Jason Moss was at the top of the list and when he was in the considered set Ed knew that he had 100% of my uh, support on that one. That's what's beautiful about Ed and I. We really complement one another in many ways. Ed is the consummate football expert. I keep my eye on the business. My biggest, and I'll give myself credit for, is putting Ed in the role that he's playing right now. This man is so intense and so focused. Um, He lives for football and we're so lucky to have him. Ed can really be as intense in the fact that sometimes you're going to have some difficult decisions and some great debates internally, but I always know where he's coming from. He's a straight shooter and he has a lot of integrity.
0: Is this organization, has it gotten, obviously it's gotten to where you want it to be to a certain extent, especially on the field when you came on as president, what, four years ago, five years ago? Uh, Was it harder to get here than you thought? Was it easier? Uh, Have you got there ahead of schedule?
2: You know, great question. I think when we were at our lowest is uh, through the public size is when we were four and fourteen and we had conducted research and it said a lot of what we expected but we didn't shy away from the research because we want to hear directly from the fans but what the fans uh, I want the fans to realize is that we were already thinking about what we we're going to do the next year the year after that and actually when we were at our worst on the field we were more optimistic we were probably more pessimistic the year prior to that knowing what was coming but we knew we had put the resources in place we've given more resources to football operations than ever in the history of this club and that allows ed to do the things he needs to do so that we can get the people like jason moss here and a competent staff and that we can take the uh... the planes the uh... charters that we need to take so that when we're in the east we can get right out of there as soon as the game is over so there's a lot of things that we get that other teams are very envious of so uh there's leading indicators and there's things what you see on the field at any given time it's our responsibility to be 10 steps ahead of that so when things are at their lowest in the eyes of the public sometimes we're actually seeing things in a much better way but conversely uh, before we were 4 and 14 we knew we needed to uh, improve the product and uh, we were hoping to get some victories and we can blame it on some bad bounces but at the end of the day when you lose a game you lose a game and the record doesn't lie Uh, you've won a lot more since then, so I
0: guess that's all behind us now. Uh, In late June, fans are going to start to pile into this beautiful building to watch football games. Uh, What's going to be different this year for the fans as as they come to this game?
2: You know, there's uh, fabulous things that we've been able to do in the last uh, four and a half years I've been with the club is that I have a very supportive board of directors. That When I came in and uh, interviewed for the job, I said, I'm going to be growing the revenue of this club And the objective is when we increase our revenues to put it right back into the club. And that's putting it back into football, spending some in the community, and making the game day experience that much better. And there's always things we got to continue to do. But I think one great example, last year spending $2.1 million, along with TELUS, for Wi-Fi. You know, we we need to attract the younger demographic. Uh, We need the young adults and the kids to embrace the Eskimos and to keep that tradition alive. These are strategic decisions that we make. Now in the past no one wanted to put two million dollars up. But I said it's a cost of doing business. In today's day and age, if you can't use your smartphone at a stadium, then people can say, Why do you want me to come to the game? I should stay at home and just use all my you know my smartphone, my iPad, whatever you have at your disposal. So that was a cost of doing business. Just two years ago, if there were more than twenty five thousand people, you couldn't even use your cell phone because the system was overloaded. Now we have Wi Fi. That's an example. So what people can expect we're going to put a little more into the game day experience this year again and we have some capital project investments that we're gonna continue to make some exciting stuff which we will share after our AGM mid to late May we will unveil that to uh, the media and to our fans as well but I can tell you that we continue to invest into the club so that when people come here they can be proud and have that social experience of forty thousand plus watching a great football game, but win or lose, you feel like when you come out of here that you had a great time. On behalf of every Edmonton Edmonton Eskimo fan, I'd like to ask you a question. What's up with the schedule? Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, if people saw what goes on behind the scenes sometimes, uh, what comes out of our mouths when we're having those debates and discussions, we're not alone. If it was as simple as us picking which games we wanted, our fans would be extremely extremely content on all fronts because we know generally what our fans want and in our research we get that feedback but it's not as simple as as us asking what we want and getting it we're all connected nine teams and when one stadium's not available somewhere that comes into play and the fact that TSN covers all the games is a great thing but that means you can never have two games going on at the same time in the CFL across this country so there's some implications that come out of that so there's things that we don't like. We don't like being on the road the entire month of October. Who would like that? We don't like the fact that we have bi-weeks and weeks uh, 2 and 17. That's uh, that's terrible as well, but we can't use excuses now that the schedule is final and we had our debates and we won a few because we saw many drafts that are actually terrible that we rejected outright. So there's some good, there's some less than good, but overall it's uh, okay let's just Make the best of it because a year prior as well, we didn't like the bye weeks, we didn't use excuses, and we won the great cup. So let's do the same thing. But we're starting off on our right foot. We're going to have Saskatchewan here on June 18th for the preseason game. We're going to have a pork-a-palooza festival taking place, and the game's going to be right in the middle of that. They expect 30,000 people the course of three days at the festival alone. Uh, preseason game, we should have 30,000 people at our game. That's going to be quite an event. These are the things we want to do have the largest tailgate party in Canada and let's have fun and let's turn things into opportunities versus looking at the things that we don't like and just sitting down and complaining. All right uh, before we go Len and again thanks for your time today.
0: Uh, Canada lost a pretty big football fan this month. Uh, A guy who uh, I guess falls into the love him or hate him category. Uh, The former mayor of Toronto Rob Ford passed away. Uh, His funeral was this week. Uh, He was a guy that was in Edmonton four or five years ago uh, when he was mayor of Toronto and you got an opportunity to get to know him a little bit.
2: You know that is so interesting. There's something special about that man and we know his biggest strengths were his weaknesses and uh, who the heck's perfect in this world uh, and he made some errors but he made an impact on me. In 2012 actually, Mayor Mandel at the time was hosting uh, mayors from major cities across the country here in Edmonton. Mayor Mandel called me and asked if I would mind hosting um, Rob Ford, the mayor of Toronto, uh, one of our games, because he loved football. I said, sure, he loves football, I'll be happy to host him. Rob Ford came in and the moment I saw him in person, he had quite a presence. And uh, he had been in a bit of mischief with the media that week and we laughed about it and i said rough week for you on there he says oh i can't even repeat what he said but and you know around half time he says len uh here you have a field house do you mind giving me a tour i showed him the tour of the rec center here at commonwealth stadium he loved our field house he said that's exactly what we need in toronto he was taking notes and then he asked me he says do you have a team store where you sell merchandise i said yes but we don't sell Argo uh, merch. He says, it's okay, I love football. I said, you don't mind buying Eskimo merch? I said, I really like you. Brought him to the store. He insisted on buying his own uh, merchandise. Uh, we, he bought uh, apparel for his kids or grandchildren. I can't remember which members of the family. And we were looking for something that would fit him and it was a bit snug at the time. <laughs> and I had promised that I would find something and I ended up finding a 4XL uh, uh, hoodie That when we played in Toronto, I personally brought to him face-to-face at City Hall in Toronto. Now, he was not in the office that day, so I met his chief of staff. But he was really impressed that I dropped it off, and I uh, lived up to it. Now, he had some hardship, and I can honestly tell you, uh, I had his cell number, and I called him when uh, things were really getting rough for him, and I just extended a... Uh, a voice and a friendly ear and said if ever you want to talk about it, I'm there to help because I know deep down there's a great person in that body of yours. And he chose not to take advantage of my offer but uh, I hope he's resting in peace right now because uh, you know there's so much that he did and I think people could relate to him because he was the people's mayor. Now he got himself into some mischief that uh, he, I'm sure he wouldn't do again but uh, when someone passes away I like to think of the positive things and my personal experience Morley was really positive because uh, I saw something really nice in that man and certainly helped that he loved football. That he did. He loved football for sure. Uh, Len Rhodes uh,
0: thanks for letting me come into your office. I I still maintain you have the best office in the world. Uh, uh, Floor to uh, roof windows looking out at Commonwealth Stadium. It's a great view. Uh, Snow's gone. Looks like we're getting ready for some football very soon. Thanks for this Len. Appreciate your time.
2: Oh, Thanks Morley and I can't wait to mingle with the fans again. Nothing better than game day. An hour before the game starts that I get to meet and greet with the fans because there's nothing better. And thank you, fans, for supporting your club.
0: That's Eskimos president and CEO Len Rhodes on the Eskimo show. When we return, we'll hear from one of the newest members of the Edmonton Eskimos, fullback Xander Robinson.
1: You're listening to the Eskimos show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad.
0: Newest member of the Edmonton Eskimos, fullback uh, Xander Robinson, joins us now. Uh, Xander, congratulations on the deal. Why, as a free agent, did you settle on the Edmonton Eskimos?
1: Uh, well, I think first and foremost, it's got uh, a bunch to do with Jason Moss, uh, the organization itself, and uh, you know what Coach Moss I've known for for several years, and he uh, he called me up, said, "Why haven't you signed anywhere? Explain my situation." He said, "Well, I want to get you in here," and then next thing you know, I'm on a flight out to Edmonton and. A day later,
0: I'm signing. And to explain the relationship, Moss, of course, was on the on the coaching staff of the Argos for several years. Just when you broke into the league, right?
1: Yeah, and you know what? He was the one who got me to start playing offense. So he was the one who was throwing me the ball after practice. And uh, and you know, this was the tor- towards the end of my second year, and then the third year, starting training camp, I was playing fullback and tight end. And um, he's kind of the one who initiated the transition.
0: So obviously, uh, he's invested in your career, and uh, you're invested in him.
1: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh
0: why was that decision made uh, and and how did how did you feel when when first approached about moving from defensive line to uh, to the offensive side of the ball?
1: Well, you know what? It was, the decision was made um you know, partly myself I'd played tight end in high school and uh so I, you know, knew how to catch a ball and uh I wasn't I was rotating in on the defensive line but I didn't think I was I was playing as much as I wanted to and I knew that if I you know, took the tutelage of Jeff Johnson and uh, and started and started getting some routes in after practice and some extra blocking in after practice that I could make this work. And uh, and you know what? The, I guess the coaches saw it as well. Coach Moss being an integral part of that. And next thing you know, I am uh, I'm playing fullback and tight end.
0: So the whole move was Moss's idea to start with, then, right? Uh,
1: yeah, you know what he said. You know, I was out there catching balls afterwards, and he's uh, you know just fooling around after practice. And he said, why don't we? You know, take this a little more seriously, and, and next thing you know, um, the coaches took notice, and in the next training camp, I was I was playing fullback.
0: What's been the biggest adjustment in making that move? Biggest adjustment? Um, well, I miss playing
1: defense, so that's, that's a little bit of an adjustment, but I still get to tackle people on special teams every now and then. Um bigger uh you know what I'd, I'd say just the mental aspect of it and and you know the playbooks are a little bit more expensive on the offensive side and there's a lot more to know and, and terms and concepts and words change week to week and uh just kind of a little more mental preparation i'd say and that's probably the biggest adjustment
0: uh the physical aspect of it right you're more i i guess you're going to get to block obviously and you're going to be in in uh pass protection but yeah, you, you probably missed that going after the quarterback and then trying to put put the full hit on him or the ball carrier, whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, you know what? It was that, that's the that's the great thing about playing defense, whether it's D end or three tech, is just you know go get the go hit the guy with the ball. It's pretty simple. Uh, you go through a gap, B gap, or C gap, or you know, there's not there's not is nothing too expensive. Other than you know, guy with the ball, that's the guy you got to get.
0: All right. Let me ask you this: What's your mindset now? Are you a fullback, or are you feel like a defensive lineman playing fullback?
1: Oh no, I'm definitely I'm fully converted to offense. I am uh, I'm 100% an offensive mind now. Um, I haven't, you know what? I, I I miss defense and I and I miss getting a sack sort of thing, but uh, offense and, and getting the ball—that's a feeling that's just unparalleled.
0: Your numbers are, are are pretty good too, considering you're learning and you're making the switch you've put up some some pretty good numbers in the last three years
1: yeah you know what um, it, it's that, uh, that that first year that I played I had a couple touchdowns and um, you know what it was it, it was awesome like it was, it was a great learning it was a great transition, great learning experience and obviously I was hitting the field a whole bunch more, so I was really happy with that
0: what what do you, what feels better a sack or a touchdown?
1: Oh, a touchdown! Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course, of course, the touchdown. Uh, you know, like there's, there's. Well, I, I guess depending upon the game, what, what the number of sacks to touchdown ratio is going to be, but uh, but a touchdown is just awesome because you know you've you've got the ball, you're there, all your teammates come over and celebrate, and uh, and you're on TV, your family can see you. It's it's an awesome feeling.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but did did didn't you score a touchdown against the Eskimos a couple of years ago?
1: Ah uh, this you are would be correct my friend. I yes, think I, at, I, at
0: Rogers Center? Certainly did. Yeah, that was uh that was my longest one. It was, eh? Yeah, I I remember that one. I remember that one. Um all right, so you're coming to Edmonton, you're going to be uh you're going to be a member of the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh you're an offensive guy now as you say and you're coming to join a pretty good offensive football club with some pretty good weapons on it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And uh and I'm and I'm excited with uh with coach Moss coming in and and you know, everything that he brings to to the system and, and the players that are already in place. Um, it's it's going to be yet again another formidable squad and, and a great cup runner for sure.
0: That's defensive lineman turned fullback Xander Robinson, uh, signed by the Eskimos this offseason after playing the first few years of his career with the Toronto Argonauts. You heard him say Jason Moss, a big part of the reason why he signed here. Jason Moss, a big part of the reason why he switched from defense to offense. Next week on the Eskimo Show, we'll hear from Jason Moss talking about Xander Robinson and the potential he has. Also, some great conversation with Moss about uh, the Eskimo's offense, including Mike Riley and how much better he can get at quarterback. Also, some interesting thoughts on the running back position for the Eskimos, a position that's bound to be one of the most uh, one of the most sought-after spots in the team and one of the most highly competitive uh, battles in training camp this year. That's next week on the Eskimo Show. Our guest today, thanks very much to Len Rhodes and Jason Moss, and of course, Sandra Robinson, who we just heard from. More CFL and Eskimo talk coming up next week here on 630 Ched. That's it for this week. I'll see you in seven days' time.